guys welcome back to another episode of the dj amos podcast today i have my friend tj with me um he's the founder of the srcc a new up-and-coming venue in columbia right outside lancaster so he's going to talk a little bit about his venue right now and then we're going to get into the podcast thank you um so yeah we're uh the srcc it stands for susquehanna river creative conspiracy we're a new uh venue community space we're nonprofit in structure and we've been around for a couple months now um we're located in columbia and uh our our structure is that we are a, a space for the the arts um we're trying to keep it as affordable as possible we do art photography podcasting and music and we want to become a new like local venue that supports local music um makes it obtainable to perform shows without having to worry about how much it costs to play um and also we're working on a system to be able to take whatever door fee we charge and give a hundred percent of that to the bands. Um, so that's a little different, I think from like the standard, the industry standard. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but yeah, we are looking for memberships. So um, our rates are extremely affordable. Um, again, music, art, photography, podcasting, and our rehearsal space is a really big stage with all the equipment provided. We have really quality gear too. Yeah. Um, speakers, drums, bass, amps, guitars, microphones, lighting even. Yeah, you're getting... The whole a, nine yards. You're getting a lot for the price because you got the podcast studio included in that. Yeah. Thing, that. Um, and we're making it as turnkey as we can as well. So like our um, membership includes pretty much everything you need to just show up and go. Um, you can always bring your own stuff that you prefer, but we have good quality um, gear and materials already in house. So that's who we are. And, um, in addition to that, we're, um, we're, we're trying to, you know, cover all our overhead and our expenses through our memberships. Um, and we're open, we're accepting memberships in all areas right now. Um, we also, if you're willing to donate and help us keep this entire project alive, um, we'll have, our Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal, um, and the and a link um, below this clip, yes. and we would appreciate any help in that regard. Um, there's just so much more expense than we ever probably would have been able to anticipate with with just keeping this whole project alive. So yeah. um, we appreciate any financial help that we could get. Yeah, and even better, come out to the shows and see it for yourself because it's a great little venue. And- if you see it you'll want to tell your friends about it yeah and we've had we've had a couple of shows there already with um some of my friends and i've been to some of the other shows it's always been a good vibe and a good time so yeah i really appreciated the one that um we put on uh how long it was about a month ago now wasn't yeah it? december right about a month ago yeah we had a good turnout and it was a lot of fun yeah. and um we also do open mic nights every wednesday night yep. from seven till midnight yeah those are fun. I go to those a lot, of, a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah. It's a great underground community. A lot of regulars. Um, so far, everything's been pretty much spreading word of mouth. Yeah, which is which but is awesome. That's how you want it, then it's real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they have you got the podcasting room, you got the stage, you got mm-hmm. the art studio, and then we're working on a lounge for the artists and all that. Yeah, yeah, lounge kind of green room area as well. Um, it's a place where everybody can go 
when like we throw our concerts and yeah. our other events too, just kind of get away from everything. But yeah, we, we have a bar upstairs in the, in the yeah, lounge, TV, couch. excited for that to come together. It's pretty cool. Awesome so stuff. what, um, going back to when you started, what inspired you to start like this whole project? Cause you started kind of in another building, right? And then you kind of yeah. moved on. So, um, hmm, this is about two years ago. So I moved here. I, I grew up here. I, I, I went to Warwick and after I graduated in my early twenties, I moved to Florida mm-hmm. and I spent accumulatively like six years there. Uh, most of my adult life. What part of Florida? Uh, the Gulf coast. I uh, used to live in Sarasota. Okay. Um, St. Petersburg, Naples and Fort Myers. Yeah. So like, about a year i think i spent two years in sarasota and then like a year in each other area um it was great i miss it a lot yeah <laughs> I need florida to get back is there great i love visiting florida i went uh down there twice last year and at least once every like two years before that so yeah it's a great it's a great place i love it let me guess you were in miami miami for yeah. sure <laughs> <laughs> i love miami yeah, it's a de- like a totally different vibe and speed. I've been also to on that coast, but I just lo- yeah. I love the other side more. It's my favorite coast. Yeah, yeah. it's very laid back. Yeah. on the Gulf Coast, it's... there's a lot of uh, Amish down on the there is on the Sarasota side. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that too. There's a whole community. So of, like, I, yeah, I grew people. up in Lancaster, mm-hmm. like Mecca for Amish, yeah. and then when I moved to Sarasota, there was like a like a shady maple um style Yoders. eatery yeah. there yeah and i couldn't believe it i was like how is it like the two like areas so far apart from each other could be like a spot that's so big yeah. for this i ended up dropping right into that same spot it's pretty wild yeah somehow they all just migrated down there <laughs> um but yeah so i moved back uh and immediately just Tried to get tried to get integrated into the local music scene here. I didn't really know anybody. Yeah, you're. Um, I guess a little bit about your background. You're a drummer. How is that like a li- like a lifetime thing? Like you've been a drummer all your life. Um, I started drumming when I was in college. Actually, okay. I think was that no, no. I was in high school, but yeah, I was like seventeen, eighteen. Gotcha. Was that started. like your first thing into music, or were you into music before that in any other way? I actually. Okay, so when I was like three years old, my mom had me take piano lessons, and I did piano until I was like eight, and then I wanted to play guitar. Yeah. And I was just ready to quit piano. It just wasn't my thing. I wasn't really invested in it. Um, Guitar treated me well for a really long time, and then I broke my arm snowboarding, and I think I was 18 at the time and i couldn't play drums because of my elbow cast that i was in but i could play drums and my little brother had a drum set that he never you couldn't touched. play guitar but you could play yeah. Drums. yeah i just would like hold the snare stick yeah, and just kind of lift my cast and drop it yeah um and it worked so when i got the cast off i stayed playing drums mm-hmm. I, I, I mean i played guitar as well but i focused on drums yeah. i just realized how much i liked it so you were always into music in some way yeah yeah, yeah from a really young age yeah. um and i've been in a few bands throughout the years were you um, into music down in florida yeah i well i've moved so many times um down in... i think 20 times since i was 20 oh wow actually okay. 
That's crazy. I thought I moved a lot, like maybe maybe like six to ten times, <laughs> but twenty is a good. That's a good number. Some years it was more than once. Yeah. Wow. Um. So, you know, like even in a given area, I would stay in an area and kind of move around. Yeah. Um. So, like a lot of the projects I was in, I wasn't able to like really like continue with them. Um. When I would move to a different area, but I've, every time I've moved to an area, I would try to find someone to start up a project with right. and. And that was my intention when I moved back here. Yeah, so There's moved, a couple other factors too. Um, you moved back and you were looking for a music scene to get into. Yeah, and yeah. and there's plenty of it here. I I made oh, a yeah. lot of friends really yeah, no quick. Doubt. I found the the that where the talent is, where what kind of open mics they go to. Yeah. Was, and go ahead. Um when you you had been to one of our basement parties a couple years back, yeah, right? Was that true. like right when you moved back? It was. Okay. I think I I might have lived here like two two months or who so. Who were you? Who did Jordan. you? Who did you know? Jordan. Okay, so Jordan Folker. He was like one man. of your first friends. First that you friend. Made. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Did you? Where did you meet him at? Uh, I think it was Booze Brewery. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That and that like your basement party. As soon as I walked down the stairs, I was just like so taken back i was like this is exactly what i've wanted to create for so long i just haven't lived anywhere yeah, long now, enough to, now like, you get to do get it, it started like, it, it reminds so many people that went to our parties and then went to my party there said like this reminded them of like a basement a house party yeah they love the vibes because it's like see when you walk in there's like rooms and like a bathroom it looks more like a house than like a venue you know yeah and people like that kind of stuff because it's more more intimate more personal i don't know it's just yeah more, more safer yeah, and Feel, that, it feels more homey. I feel like that vibe really is is at the SRCC too. Exactly, that's quite what, a bit. That's what I'm saying. Like when people went to that, they said that it reminded them of that same vibe because of the way the way it is. So, um, and it's funny. I mentioned Jordan. Um, it actually started the idea, the concept for this project started with him. Um, we wanted a place to just do woodworking projects together and and jam. And we were looking at just like renting a garage and we were looking on Facebook marketplace, looking for garages. Like a, we were hoping to find like a two car garage somewhere that we could just rent for cheap. Mm-hmm. And then we found this warehouse on Facebook marketplace. It was amazing. It was in Columbia on one of the avenues, like the alleys. Yeah. And it was this really old two story. It was like 2,500 square foot brick. Um, no heat, no water, just a building envelope. And, um, and it was amazing. And we wanted to try to rent that, but we needed to bring on like more people. Yeah. It was like 800 a month, which isn't a lot, but you, I think you messaged me at that time if I wanted to be, uh, like be <laughs> one of the renters, but I wasn't interested at the time, but I liked the idea. Yeah. I, I, I do remember you reaching out. I, I really like, I went around and just started asking everyone yeah. that I met recently Yeah. at that time to see if people would want to collab and just kind of really, it, it, at the time it was more just, hey, let's all rent this together so we can specifically right. use it for our needs. Yeah. And then. Just like a big shared space for people who don't have a big yeah. space to work in. And after a few weeks, um, I found a few people, uh, the original founders for the SRCC. It was four of us and they, and we all split, like we all went on the lease, split the rent. And then as we were starting to like come together and think of ideas, we it just kept growing and expanding into, we can do this, we can do that. We 
could go over here and create an art gallery and a photography studio and yeah, um, little ideas. music venue in the corner, like underground. Ideas just all kept underground. Growing. <laughs> yeah, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And then we just set off on this massive like path of all right, well that's 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 kind of not remodel, but that's that's add a cool ceiling in here so it looks nice. Let's add some stove so we can heat it. And um, we need to replace the siding over here because it's drafty and like rotting away. And yeah. we worked with the landlord who agreed to work with us. He was going to upgrade the electrical service for us. He was going to put in a bathroom for us. Um, we put it in our lease agreement even that he would provide all these things after like 90 days or so. Mm-hmm. And long story short, he didn't follow through like at all. And we were there for like five. No. Six or seven months we that were there. That was at the first spot you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Renovating. I spent my entire summer working on that project. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, such seeing, extensive renovations. I remember seeing the posts on Facebook. You guys were working hard. Yeah. Doing a lot of work. <laughs> and then we just, then we hit a wall. There was like a crack in the drain pipe that needed, it was like, it was like a $2,000 repair, which in the grand scheme isn't that much, but he dug his, the landlord dug his heels and just would not agree to work with us on that one. So without having a functional bathroom, we couldn't really have, you know, sinks and art and yeah. mess and the ability to clean all that up. And yeah. just even having a functional bathroom really was necessary. So yeah, for sure. we vacated. Um, Damn. I, so do you, you, know, you left all that work. Do you know what? they did with the building did someone else use it then yeah someone else is just running it now <laughs> no, and now it's, it's all not, airtight it's not, and they can nice eat it it's <laughs> cozy and i i mean i insulated the whole second all they floor ceiling paid two thousand dollars to fix it and they got a nice place because you guys did we got enough. shafted hard um i even took them to court over it oh wow and um unfortunately i'm pretty sure the judge and and the landlord are friends i could just <laughs> tell the minute they were interacting in the yeah. hearing that we had so yeah we got nothing out of it not a dollar not even refunded any rent like we were paying rent the whole time we were improving the building yeah. <laughs> and like put a lot of our own finances into it so it was quite the bummer i mean it was like depressing too it was just so much work yeah so like i spent that whole summer and not doing a like lot ended other than working on that building yeah and then it was like all for nothing but did you look for that other one right away then or we just kind of pop out of yeah we put all our stuff into storage and then um my other founder chris uh chris davis he's a photographer he uh was consistently like searching listings and stuff and he found the location Mm. that we're at now um i think it took like two months and he found it it's it and it's just turned out to be wildly perfect and and not only like i mean it's nicer it's fully it's got like two bathrooms it has a yeah. heating and cooling system already in it it's like yeah. a legit commercial space pretty good amount of parking all around yeah. with the street parking Little. it's so like there are so many aspects about this place that are perfect yeah. we, we can be as loud as we want and it's like the neighbors don't complain good location you're right by york you're real close to lancaster mm-hmm. right off re- 30 it's a really good spot yeah right yeah. off 30 yeah it's like if you're close to 30 and Lancaster, it's like 20 minutes probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really, I, I think all those factors really um, come together to create like a situation that is ripe to grow yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, keep getting bigger. Everything you need just, just, just more word of mouth and more. 
yeah more growth but yeah everything set to boom (laughs) so now we're a music venue yeah we have a stage we have a lot of space we can fit a decent amount of people in there yeah and um yeah it's awesome we we uh kind of shifted into being a music space um a lot more than we were you know planning with the Mm -hmm. other space it was more like just a couple friends could come here and jam but now we're like open for rehearsals we have medusa's disco and hunter root both um rehearse at our spot yeah a couple other local bands that do too we've got five or six music members right now that all rent the space from us that's a big thing that if people know about because people need rehearsal space like in play in big cities like um big music cities people there's like a big uh market for rehearsal spaces so that's that's a big thing that you could make money on if, if yeah if the more if just more people find out about it. and we're and you know like there's a market for it but we're like i mean we're really not looking to make money doing this at all we're just trying to pay pay your bills the bills provide. whatever we need financially in order to make this whole thing just exist right. and and operate is yeah. what we're that's what our goal is but more money means bigger speakers yeah. and bigger sub we keep putting it back into itself yeah. that's like um, the exciting part about it like the more it grows the better it'll get and yeah. so like the more we as a community put into it the better it'll get for us it's like a whole totally a whole team effort so great. come to the shows yeah come support us yeah and they're great the too community so. needs your help you you will be greatly satisfied with the results of it. <laughs> All your wildest dreams will come true. <laughs> no. Just come to our stuff. <laughs> What's been your like favorite event you've put on there so far in the last you've our first show. Um the the, the Medusa's Barbecue. Disco. That one yeah. was lit. I was there. That was the biggest thing that you had it- and there was there was like a hundred people there, and yeah. we I was like anticipating sixty. All the 70, bands maybe. were so gr- so good too. I didn't know any of them really, but they were all really good. Shout out! That was um, Cody, Cody Kilburn. Yeah. He lives in Columbia as well. Uh, Damon, they're from Lancaster. Alex Stanella, he lives up in Lebanon area, and then Medusa's Disco, who were our first members that signed on, which Very is cool. like. Honestly, it was sort of dreamy because when I first moved here, I, I was a fan of Medusa's Disco before I moved to Florida. Yeah. And when I moved back, like the first show I went to um, was Medusa's Disco. And when we got into that warehouse and we were renovating that and I was just thinking about how like, oh, we could put on fun little underground shows. The first band that came to my mind was Medusa's Disco. Nice. Like, oh, I could get Hunter and... And, yeah. and the band and, and and we could just throw these cool little parties that'd be so cool and then fast forward to like eight months later and they're renting the yeah. space and rehearsing there and then you, as our first member <laughs> and then you put on your biggest show with them <laughs> yeah it was yeah. and it was just incredible amount of fun yeah i loved that 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 whole show was like i couldn't believe it was real like the whole thing just felt like a dream yeah so i'm chasing that again Oh, yeah. do the next one soon <laughs> oh yeah it's exciting um do you have any do you have the next one planned yet are you still working on that there i have a lineup already um figured out for the next one we did do a second one after that too right right yeah um which was also phenomenal but it was just kind of it was a sunday it was rainy it was yeah. cold we didn't have quite 
um, as much of a turnout, right. which you kind of learn how to schedule these things and For how sure. to promote and how to, I mean, and this is just, all new. It's so. some of that's out of your control to it. Just like, yeah, sometimes the day just happens to less people come. Sometimes yeah. a lot of people come. There's definitely how and, things go. And the more I talk to people that have been doing this booking and creating events, like they all say the same stuff. They yeah. have that. So I'm just picking everyone's brain now yeah, yeah. to figure out the formula. Sweet spot. To, yeah, find, to have find the TJ sweet spot. <laughs> that sounded weird. That sounded awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, um, so yeah, next month, um, in a couple of weeks, I'm hoping to announce the next Bands and Barbecue event. And, um, and then after that, my goal is to try to do these once a month. That's, yeah. I mean, they're a lot of work. So, yeah. um, and I encourage and invite anyone else that wants to put together events and yeah. be an organizer, Any, like join up, let's join forces. Absolutely. And event, we have more events. Event organizers and artists who want to put on events. Um, and um, artists, I can also work with artists to put on events because I like doing that. So if you don't want to do it yourself, hit me up and I'll help you out. But That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. But More yeah, hands make the load light. Yeah, we're going to make some shit pop. I have a f- few people already who want to do some shows coming up, so I'll talk to you about that. And uh, So are you a part of any bands right now, like any uh, music, no, musical not, projects? Not consistently. I've been so invested in running yeah, the SRCC lately. Pretty busy getting this going. Um, takes off a lot of energy. And starting a business separate from the SRCC, but... I did um, play with a few people uh, pretty regularly and um, just one thing or another kind of comes up and we have been flow with each other's schedules and haven't been able to get a lot of traction, but the intention's there and I am still looking for more people to play. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a project idea, so I'm just trying to find the right people um, to, to fit into it. What kind of music do you like playing? Like what's your style of? Um, if I wow, it's been a while since I wrote music, but oh. it is definitely rock. It's like that's the foundation. Uh-huh. I like to play rock, but by write music, do you write your own like songs or just like writing drums or it's like been, everything? It's been a long time, but it's been like ten years, sadly. But yeah. I used to write a little bit of everything. Nice. I would be like, I'm the drummer. That's my number one, like, like skill set. Yeah. But I used to play guitar and I, I just come up with riffs okay. when I sit down and, and mess around with it. And I'm, I found that I'm pretty decent at collabing with writing a song in the process. Like I, if we're stuck and like, where do we go? Or what riff would transition here or there? I can hear it. And then yeah. a lot of the, in my last band, like the three songs we wrote, I wrote the bridge, a lot of the transitions, like for all the instruments. Very cool. And it was only three songs, and then and then I moved. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I got kicked out of that band. <laughs> you womp, got womp. kicked out and then moved, or you moved and then got kicked out. But, <laughs> um, yeah. But I found, like, that was what I was good at, and I've just been wanting to really, and I'm going to soon, get back to that and just find that, that group of people that the energies and yeah, the vibes no match. It's all about just um, yeah. doing your thing and then eventually come to you. That's what I found out. Yeah. Yeah, because the people that if you do if you do your thing, and then the people that um, match your energy will find you. But if you're trying to be something else, then, law of attraction, then they won't. Yeah. yeah, just be authentic, be yeah. your true self. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, just uh, see it, see the like vision, right? It, and it envision and it, it. I mean, and let it let it 
dream about it. <laughs> yeah, it just naturally yeah. does happen. So yeah, for I'm sure. excited. A so, lot of things are going that way right now. Absolutely. This is the same for me. It's I feel like a lot of people I've been meeting have been on like the same like type of journey and path where it's just like everything's working out, just like working hard, but everything the everything is working out and good things are happening. So Yeah. It's been great. Happy to hear that, man. <laughs> yeah. Um so talk about your woodworking a little bit. You're also a like an artist in the woodworking space. You make super cool tables with um like lights with um uh, epoxy yeah. and lights in the middle, right? Yep. That's like your specialty. Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing this about a year ago. I think is when I made it. Yeah. It was a year ago that I made a couple tables for friends that owned businesses that mm -hmm. needed like a bar for their, their shop or whatever. Uh, I did two of those. Um, but I started out, I built myself a bar like four years ago and just saw, just was trying to find ideas um, for what I wanted. And I saw like river tables, live edge slabs, and they were really cool. Um, but I just wanted to be creative with it and, and do something different. So I came up with this design where there's like crystal in the middle and like some stone and tree moss and just a bunch of earthy things. And then I lit backlit it with an LED so that the entire river glows. Yeah. And surprisingly, I honestly can't believe it hasn't been like done a whole lot. I couldn't, I, I haven't really found it at, at least at that time. I haven't really found people doing them like that. Uh -huh. Like, like, every, like if you search really hard on YouTube, you can find someone who does right. like a unique piece like it's that. It's such but, a good idea. It's yeah. surprising that more people haven't done it. Yeah. I, I really was surprised. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I have a creative bone in me. Yeah. I didn't realize it at mm -hmm. the time. And everyone that saw the bar that I built was like, why aren't you doing this full time? And I guess I just didn't have the confidence or something at that time. I just didn't even think about going into it. Yeah. But um, recently, I was just ready for something that was more fulfilling, really. And I started making tables and selling them to friends. And yeah. it's just kind of naturally stepped into it. And now it's been about six months of me doing it pretty, like, pretty focused, full-fledged focused on that and building a business out of it. So I call myself Freak of Nature Creations. Yeah, and, yeah, find him on Instagram. We'll have that yeah. in the description too. And I'll put and it, I'll put Freak it on is spelled F-R-E-Q. Yeah, I'll put it on the screen so people get it. Awesome. Um, So you've been only doing this for like a year, six months, as she said. And did you have any like carpentry or woodworking experience before that? Or you just kind of pick it up with just the Just DIY yeah. experience. I've always built my own stuff. Yeah. Figured out how to do it through YouTube, the internet. Right. Consulting friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I built... At my old house, I built a patio. It was like a 700 square foot patio, built a roof over it, nice. <laughs> did the electric. I used to be an electrician. Oh, yeah. So I just kind of picked up the ability to figure out how to do everything. Yeah, no doubt. And just kind of uh, apply that to everything I do. Yeah, that's that's how, like, that's kind of how I grew up being Amish. Like, you grow up just figuring, how, figuring out how to do everything yourself. And that's such a great skill to have in life because, like, it applies to everything I do now. Yeah. Like, I just know how to figure something out if I have a problem. I don't just, like... It's kind of nice to not rely on people yeah, to do you stuff. You don't have to rely on someone else who's an expert at it because you just yeah. figure it out. Like, and YouTube is so helpful. Yeah. You can, if you if you have like that mindset and the basic skill set of just like figuring stuff out, then you can just go on YouTube and almost do anything. Like mm -hmm. this this last year for the first time, I fixed a bunch of shit on my car just 
face just with that because like I mm-hmm. had taken it to the garage and they need were going to charge me like six thousand dollars and then I figured I found yeah. I could buy the parts for like six hundred and do it all myself. Yeah, it was so fun too. Yeah, I, I, I YouTube is the best thing the ever. Best, yeah. When I was like in my early twenties, I would do everything on my car that I could. Yeah, just like you're describing. It's and so much fulfilling. Cheaper, it's you in, save money. It's so fulfilling and so yeah. it saves so much money. It's so fun too. <laughs> yeah, I really do enjoy the process of learning a new skill and yeah. and and figuring it out as I go. It, yeah, I don't know. It's just for sure. It's just the way. It's I just the way. I'm gonna if you want, I'll put a picture of like your favorite table up on the screen right here. Cool. Talk about that. What's what's the favorite thing you've made? Oh, what's my favorite one? If you have like a one that you have a good picture of and that you remember like a good story about or anything. That's a really hard question. Yeah. I like each one is so unique yeah. and and different and um Hmm, I think my favorite would be the the bar that I built for De Francesco Meadery. It's in Wrightsville. So um for that one because mead is made with honey, I put honeycomb in the in the bar like in the in the epoxy yeah That's... it's like the base is is honeycomb and i actually i put quartz crystal in it as well a lot of like rocks and crystals yeah. that go around all the seams um and and then build a bar frame around it with the like the kegerator that's underneath has a there's a tap that goes through the very middle of it as well mm-hmm. that was easily the most difficult project i've ever done and then just turned out like real real fantastic looking nice um yeah i can't yeah. wait to see that i bet that looks cool i love uh honey and anything to do with honey so yeah, like that, yeah. check out the meadery where is it they're really good it's in wrightsville i do have to check um, it out because i literally just recently found out that meat is even a thing yeah and i love it i tried it like at boobs i get it sometimes they have it and i think it, that was de francesco okay very cool i that's think that's stuff. his mead so there. i gotta i gotta yeah. go check that out because yep I, that's I, where the bar is it's so cool that you check you, out the bar too yeah oh yeah yeah the bar's there <laughs> I gotta check it out. I'll have a, have it's, a drink um, at the bar. on. I th- it's like Trinity Boulevard or Trinity yeah. Road. Um, up up on the up on a hill. Yeah, I think you can see the river from from the tasting room. Yeah, the Susquehanna River, which is pretty cool. No doubt. But yeah, that would be my favorite. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's just so cool that um, alcohol can come from honey. <laughs> yeah, it comes from a lot of different yeah. stuff. But I I like meat a lot. I think I like it more than beer and wine. Even I do too. I when like it's done well. I don't. I'm not a beer guy. I don't like beer. I like um, I like wine. Some I mostly right now. I just drink Happy Dad <laughs> seltzers. Where? Oh, because they're they're. I don't like normal seltzers, but these taste better, and they're like they don't make me feel bad. They're pretty healthy. They have mostly good ingredients in it, so they don't make me feel bad. So I like drinking them. I have to try one then. And I don't drink too much. Um, too much besides like those. So it helps just. It's nice. Never heard of them. They kind of look like a like a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah, can. Yeah, it's a new. I think it's that's a newer what I thought thing. it was when I first sat down. It's a newer thing, but they're really blowing up. Cool. Doing numbers. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's talk about your interesting background because I was raised Amish and you were yeah. raised Jehovah's Witness, right? Yeah, we got a little common yeah, yeah. commonality there. And that was that. Um, you were raised around here. Yeah. Um yeah, I was born in Lidditt or Lancaster, but I was raised in like Lidditt and then I moved to Coryville, yeah. which is like the opposite side of the county. Okay. 
Um, and I was in it until I was 30 years old. Okay. Was it, was, were you like, how is it? Are you a part of the outside world pretty much or is it pretty secluded? No, like, um, they really discourage, like, yeah, you, they're very integrated into societies. Like like they work jobs, go to public school and that kind of stuff. But from a young age, they really condition you to, to not be a part of the world, uh-huh. to like just not have friends that are non Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. They really like encourage you to just within their congregation find all your, your connections, your networking, your social life. It all is in within. Right. So, um, it was that that was a hard thing growing up like going to public school but like and making friends and wanting to have friends and, but you, you kind of had to keep your distance but like yeah like being told you can't like no they're not good enough or if yeah. you get invited to a birthday we didn't even celebrate birthday parties too right. so like you get invited to these things and you'd have to come up with a reason why you can't yeah like it's, it's just difficult yeah to you didn't, you didn't want to like be like i can't be your friend and yeah. you know as a kid you don't know how to say yeah, why that's a weird like Oh, my parents don't yeah. want me to be your friend because you're a bad kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird. I can only imagine what the other people thought, too. Yeah, like, I they're just, like, what's up with this? I should probably look up some of my classmates from back then and be like, yeah. how did that feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be an interesting conversation. I wonder what they remember about that. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it is very um, high control. Yeah. So, there's just a lot of different teachings and doctrines and stuff. And they and they di- they discourage doing research, asking questions. Yep, yep, so yep. like, you know, the internet, there's all this abundance of of different perspectives on even sacred books like the Bible. There's mm-hmm. so many different perspectives on it and um and just insights on how how it came about and the reasonings from it or how it was even made and and you just you just kind of put the blinders on and and you know, think inside that box. Mm-hmm. So they make yep. it pretty hard to go outside of that. That's box. a lot of that's very similar to the Amish. Like the way to keep keep it going is to keep the people blinded to the outside and just keep them focused on that, so they don't know anything else. Yeah, yeah. How, so how did like, if you don't mind me asking yeah, you yeah. a question, um, how old were you when you? I guess I mean sometimes there's not an official yeah, date or age. I was eleven like, because my family like left as like oh, okay. a family so when I, I was like a child i was 11 yeah 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 that's like a that's a nice easy way to yeah get. how was it for you did you like how what what made you break away at 30 because that's like a i don't know you're into it by then or were you just never really into it no i i was <laughs> yeah thank for a minute yeah <laughs> Have it's you ever... kind of a deep story, but I don't mind telling it. I honestly don't. But I I would say in my teens, I had all my like reasons, like like reasonable doubts, just from observation alone, like questions, but like no way to ask them or exercise them. And honestly, a lot of fear is programmed into you too to like oh, not yeah. go searching for the answers. So much fear. Because because they really like grinded india that like the devil is gonna entrap you and things aren't gonna go well for you if you even listen to or open your mind to Mm -hmm. other sources Mm -hmm. so you kind of just don't for a while um 
So, you know, I don't know, I would say 15. And the funny thing is, is I had so much anxiety and stress, like, and, and just a lot of anxiety as a teenager and a young adult. And, and that's just because it's like, you know, something, there's like that voice in the back of your head telling you like, this isn't right. Something isn't right. Something yeah. doesn't make sense, but you kind of just keep telling it to shut up. Yeah. Um, but I left when I was 30 because, um, I guess just I saw by that point I lived in Florida a little bit and moved into different congregations, mm. probably lived in like five different congregations by that point at least and just made a lot i just was always making new friends over and over and over and i was seeing a lot of the same really traumatic and really stupid things happening like so many times and i just started seeing these patterns and then i started thinking like if it's just happening like this in each area that i go to it has to be pretty common then that it's everywhere like in all the, this exists the communities the same yeah. same thing happened everywhere you went yeah. and then i started doing a little research and finding out that that is the case and um there are plenty of lawsuits and plenty of all sorts of stuff yeah. that i was just like whoa so you were like blind, door blown open you were yeah. blinded to what was going on inside because you don't you're just yeah taught not to look at a lot that of stuff. stuff yeah that's so swept under the rug and Damn. um but i would say the the big there was a real defining moment that was kind of a slap in the face and that was their teaching about shunning so they you know you get disfellowshipped is the term so if you're a baptized member of the jehovah's witnesses and then for whatever reason you sin it could be as simple as smoking, <laughs> premarital sex, um, being outspoken about not agreeing with the teachings. So, like, they'll label you apostate, they'll lab label you, you know, evil, mm -hmm. basically, and not good association. So, you'll you'll get disfellowshipped, announced at the congregation, and then everyone's supposed to cut you completely out. And they go really hard with it, like, whole families, like, your whole support system will just stop talking to you and yeah. offering, you know, anything. It's so the same way in the Amish kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. that's a big overlap. I didn't know, I didn't know that it was that same way. Cause it's not a ton of communities that are that hard set. Like once you leave, you're just completely cut off and we want nothing to do with you anymore. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so are you still, do you not talk to most of your family now? Or is it, do some of them come around or how does that work? Um, I don't. No. Yeah. So before I move on to that though, I just yeah, wanted to throw out the the uh the the defining moment was my one of my best friends who was very struggling just with depression and all that. Um he ended up getting disfellowship, but he was he was like legit suicidal at that moment. Like attempted suicide and went to rehab and then they disfellowshipped him for things that happened and came to light during his rehab stay, like just abuse of like substances and stuff like that, which is a sin. Yeah. So they just fellowshipped him and he had no support group whatsoever. And he like moved to a different state with his parents. I couldn't hang out with him, couldn't like be there for him. And he's no longer with us to this day. Mm -hmm. And that was, I just remember getting that call and just being angry, just upset. Like that is so not cool How old were you for someone time? who's struggling. I think I was 20 seven 28 okay yeah and then and then it was just two years of me like waking up 
going through a whole wake up process, taking in, doing research. So that kind of started like you waking up a little bit to where you like look at things a little differently. And I was still going, I was still active. Right. I was actually married at the time. Oh no way. And um and that kind of once I decided to stop, it just kind of put a lot of stress on everything. The yeah. relationship, um the, just the d- dynamics that were just too hard to and heavy to like really manage and, and work yeah. and um so it didn't work out and then i mo- i eventually moved out and kind of started I, I was living with a friend for a while and just needed to get clear of like that environment because it was mm-hmm. starting to it was starting to pull me in like like depression wise and just struggle so um so yeah um at that point i was sorry i'm gonna so at that point um i simply just wanted to leave the organization and just kind of fade away um and and i did that for a few years and then i went on a podcast in florida and told my whole story and my family heard it (laughs) and 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 everything i said on that and from that moment forward, I've never been formally disfellowship because yeah. I didn't respond to them when they reached out to me. They kind of yeah. have to, they have to hold like kind of a hearing and then like formally disfellowship right. you. And I just didn't just, really want anything to do with it. It just went away. I didn't, I mean, I just figured like it gives them power, like exactly, to respond yeah. to it and to sit down and actually have that conversation. Yeah, why so would I just, you? they have no, yeah. you have not, you have no reason. You have, you don't owe them any explanation. But regardless, my whole family doesn't talk to me now because of that. Because of that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So it got around and then people, you know, the rumor mill is huge in that, yeah. in that, um, circle. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have that many people from, from that past, um, unless they've left themselves, which was actually kind of a fun experience when I moved to Florida I moved back for a few years here and then moved back to Florida again. Oh, really? When I moved back, all the friends that I made in Florida while I was a Jehovah's Witness also left. Oh, yeah. But we didn't really keep tabs on each other. And then when I moved back, I wanted to catch up with certain people and Mm -hmm. then found out they're all out too. And then we just (laughs) kind of became even closer. That's amazing. Because of that. And yeah, to this day, you know, I keep in touch with them and they're just real solid, solid friends. Yeah. Like deep friendships. How old are you now? I'm 36. 36. So six years you've been out yeah. of it. And so you lived in Florida for still a good amount of time. I guess you moved yeah. back and forth a little bit Yeah, in the last six and years. And then each time I moved to Florida, I moved to a different area, Yeah, took different jobs, just kind of been yeah. really bouncing around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like your growing up? Like you said, you went to public school. Yeah. Did you, was... Like Jehovah's Witness, it, that's religious, right? You go, do you go to like churches and uh-huh. things like that? It's yeah. like three times a week. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever go like to the door, door to door? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> a lot. Go knocking. You yep. like you and like a friend. You go up together, or yep. you go by yourself. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, what was that like? Did you hate that, or did you're, um, you're pretty like talkative? So it probably wasn't too bad for you. Funny thing is, is the whole time I was a witness, I was so socially awkward. Really, I Not- I did not develop my social skills at all until no way 
my thirties. How'd that come about? Cause now you're like just super talkative and yeah. Socially I friendly. I don't just know. Happened, I just, just grew into it. Just got tired of being socially awkward. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, that's where I'm at. I'm so sick of it. I'm just trying to make, I think, make it go. <laughs> I think also part of it was like, I, I, that environment is extremely like stifling, like judgy. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, you're just, I think I was always so afraid of offending somebody or getting in trouble for what I say or how I mm -hmm. think, um, that it just, it was just like so many layers of like weight. So it, it kind of kept me like, Dude, it I... kept me suppressed and in a box. So once all that was gone and also cause I lived in that, like it was thick and I lived in that for so long. I just stopped giving a crap. <laughs> like I, I, I don't care what people think. I mean, I do. Yeah. From from a perspective of like compassion, but like I don't care what your opinion is of me. I don't. Yeah. It, it doesn't like keep me from being. I can just be myself with yeah, no yeah. reservation. That's amazing. At this point, I, so well, I know exactly what you mean when you say all that because I experienced the same same yeah. exact shit. It's yeah, wild, it's wild how like the way we grew up. It like they literally programmed our brains to like, yeah, run away from all the stuff we want to do now yeah. as adults and feel guilty for feel it, bad too. for everything, yeah. yeah, to feel like so a bad so, person. It's so constantly. much unprogramming to do. I'm going through it so much does, of that dude. unprogramming. It takes a while. It's crazy. It really does. And yeah. I'm lucky. I had, especially you were in it for so long. You you got like more. I don't know. It's conditioning. Not, it's, just, it's just different <laughs> for everybody, but. Being in it yeah. for 30 years, you were in it for a long time. Um, ha Just having good resources is everything, though. I mean, yeah. I really, I, I feel like I did a crash course in the deprogramming and, like, the just emotional intelligence, even. Like, I went to therapy. I had mm -hmm. people that were wise in those areas to constantly consult and get feedback. And, like, I'm really grateful for that because yeah. if I didn't, I didn't have that. I don't know where I'd be right now, but yeah. um, it's, I just, in that's my whole background also makes me see the value in community like so much. Absolutely. Because when you leave that and have nothing, it's a really, it's just so scary. Yeah. So lonely. Hard position to be in. And then when you find your community and, and it's awesome, like I just wish that on everyone. Like, yeah. like, I times 10 that. that's what's so, so powerful about music and everything that we like yeah. to do it's like when you do it right it's like a community of people who just have passion for that thing and they're all together and it's what makes it so great yeah yeah it's it, it's just like a fundamental thing that needs like like there's no money in it <laughs> sometimes yeah. like like offering and supporting each other that yeah. way so no. it's like what are your motives for you just for showing up and and being a part of trying to make a community happen yeah. or just being there for, for the sake of it existing. Yeah. Every, I yeah. think life is just better if you're a part of some community of something that you believe in and have passion for. Yeah. So life is just better if you can be a part of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No doubt. Um, back to your childhood. So like what, when you were younger, what did you, what was like your first job or what, how'd you grow up? Did you grow up like in, in town or like in the countryside? Country? Oh, I grew up in Lidditz and my first job ever was cleaning offices and 
Yeah, pretty much office cleaning. Yeah. Just jobs with a friend from the congregation. Mm-hmm. And then my first like W-2 like official job was Rita's Italian Heist. Oh, no way. <laughs> in Lidditz. Nice. Right when they opened. Um, But short after that, I, I went to school for electrical um, and worked for some contractors. And then I went to school, went to college for electrical and electronics, got into building automation, mm-hmm. um, like industrial electrical. And I worked at R. Donnelly on the printing presses and Turkey Hill, where they make like the factory in Conestoga. Yeah. The ice cream and tea. Yeah. And, like working on the machines and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of just got really tired of that. Yeah. I, I left it for other things moved to florida did a bunch of stuff there yeah. went back to college never finished it yeah moved again just trying to really find, been floating around out there trying to get my bearings trying for a while. different things trying to find something yeah but i mean to circle back to that like just the skill set i had had afforded me to learn how to diy just about anything yeah pretty quickly like i can just figure it out what needs to be done so that that's been an awesome component yeah especially at the srcc like, yeah helpful to get all the random shit done that needs done there yeah yeah um so. what's like the besides knocking on doors what's like the hardest or weirdest thing that you had to do as a requirement for being jehovah's witness like, so there's no you had, you had to go to church three times a week yeah you said. like was yeah, it like this is just that's just a lot of time month, yeah. sunday wednesday yeah i mean i mean the depending on the schedule of the the congregation you're in the days might be a little different but they would have a sunday meeting that's always usually um sunday and then a mid two midweek meetings yeah that would fall on just different days depending um so they kept you really busy. And then on Saturday, you would go out door to door. Yeah. Is that and, every Saturday? I mean, it's not a requirement, but they put pressure on you to report the you, time okay. that you're that you're going out and doing so it. So if you do it, then you're better in the community. If you have <laughs> high time, then yeah. people pat you on the back more. And if you yeah. have low time, then they kind of just judge no, no. you it, for it. It's like your status, your yeah. level of clout in the, in the church. <laughs> um, so you were generally pretty busy with that. Um, but the hardest thing about it, um, requirement-wise, well, I mean, aside from the fact that I couldn't, like, make friendships and connections yeah. in the community, um, I would say the hardest thing is they really, like, would pressure you to do public speaking, which kind of can be developed into a good skill, too, but it's also, like, you're constantly getting assigned to give parts at those meetings so like those midweek meetings you'd have to get uh, up and do like five in front six of, minute okay. talks yeah on a subject from the bible and you have to do all this research and like yeah you know you have to do that that does sound difficult of, especially being uh socially shy like i am too especially yeah. i was when i was younger that i can imagine that would have been very yeah i mean it, frightening going back at it now like if i had to go do that now i, I probably would have no problem yeah yeah at all but then I was just so much more awkward. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a lot. It was that was a that was that was pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, going door to door was difficult too, man. Like, cause you you're pretty much anticipating getting rejected every yeah. day, like so many times, so many doors just getting slammed sure. on you. So it's demoralizing. Yeah, that any like a little bit like no one appreciates what we're trying to teach. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any yeah. good stories that stand out from like people rejecting you or like? conversations with people at doors or anything 
Um, oh man, I have to think for a second. I mean, there's been like, there's been time I haven't personally had this happen, but I've had friends have like people come to the door naked. Just <laughs> yeah, I feel like just to fuck with them, <laughs> knocking door to door, especially as Jehovah's Witness, because it's such a known thing. Yeah, I feel like there just has to be people just do the most random shit just to fuck with you or whatever. I've had people have guns pulled on them. I've known people personally. Um, no, I don't think anything ever, ever crazy has ever really happened to me. Yeah. Um, but, oh man, I'm really trying to reach into the archive here. Yeah. It was such a different time. You'll think of it after on your yeah. drive home. You'll be like, oh shit, I remember that one. Yeah. I, one, I mean, there's nothing exciting about this, but a defining memory I have is some, every once in a while, someone will come to the door that's extremely educated mm. in, in, um, ancient civilization and religion and and then they would discuss certain things that you would just be like i have no idea how to answer this (laughs) um and you just i just remember shutting down mentally because because it makes sense and and then it it implied that that christianity is this much of the picture and that everything else is also just as valid (laughs) and um those like i remember one guy he he, he seemed I don't, well, my ability to my memory and ability to recall like what ethnicity was is terrible so i don't even try <laughs> um but he he started explaining how like jesus was a mystic and there was many of them throughout a period a big period of time back then yeah and many other ancient books like the vedas the vedic texts and i am now starting to um entertain those things more just from a standpoint of curiosity yeah yeah. and um just seeing like like i just like i wish so bad i could go back and find those people that were like willing to go that way those would at be, when I was at the door and just have more convo with them. Those would be the best people to dive into it with. Yeah. They, they 20 years shit. later. Yeah. You should have got their numbers. Be like, hey, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll call you later. I'm kind of stuck now, but I'll call you. Yeah. There's this one guy in particular that just, I remember so much about him, but I, I can't even remember where I was living at the time. I can't remember if that was in Florida, mm. if that was here, if that was in Redding, if I, I've lived in so many areas. Yeah. I can't remember. It'd be hard to find if you, but, really, if you were trying to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember um how my dad talked about alcohol when I was Amish like if you drink beer then the devil has a hold of you forever gets your gets their if you drink, grip on you if you drink one beer you're just one whoa so the, are most Amish dry like like completely sober not well pretty uh, yeah uh, I don't know huh. it's hard to say cuz like they make homemade wine they drink uh, they drink actual homemade wine at communion and like some of them have like wine at home but for the most part yeah it's like alcohol technically isn't allowed but you know hmm but there's something sacred about like the homemade wine process it's for that makes it better. communion there they have homemade wine and then like some of them would have it in their medicine cabinet they for like they don't drink it for leisure no no just for the service yes for that and like secretly for leisure maybe but not yeah like, not under like, un, under the table right so like i can't say most gotcha. of them are dry because i'm sure yeah some of them drink but it's all like they're not supposed to you know 
I think Jehovah's Witnesses, I think there's a lot of alcoholics or, or just people that really like drink or they're excessive drinkers. So like openly they're allowed to drink? No, they they discourage it too. Like yeah. you can get disfellowship for being a drunkard. Yeah. But it's um, not like one But like people moderately, like there's just a lot. I, I feel like my, in my, on all the areas that I've lived and all the people I've met, there's just a lot of people, I mean, they're stressed out. Yeah. They're, like they're, things don't make sense they don't know what to do about it yeah, they're stuck yeah, yeah. in this community a lot and yeah, um i think you should sure. turn to it more as yeah. a coping mechanism for Absolutely. sure if you find out about it you're like, i was especially because it's like frowned upon so it makes yeah. you drawn to it even more because it's like bad and i i drank so much more then than i do now how old were you when you first drank uh i was a good boy i i think i snuck my first beer when i was like 18 yeah i was good too i didn't drink i i mean i had like we had homemade wine sometimes, so I drank a little bit of that. Yeah. I, and, but I didn't really drink till I was like 20, 20, 20 and a half. Yeah. You snuck your first beer when you were 18. Was that a, yeah. from your dad? Did he have? Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Just a good old yingling lager. Did you like it? I hated beer. I uh, never, yeah, I thought I it was never awful. got into beer. It's one of my favorites now, but yeah, it was awful. I still, still don't like it. Didn't care for it at all. Still gross. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Teach their own. <laughs> yeah. So you drank a lot when you were um, still a, a Jehovah's Witness? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely was a little unbalanced with it then. Yeah. Which is funny because that was the first thing they were trying to get me for was <laughs> um, just for, was for drinking. They, that's I have I still have a letter that they certified mailed me. Somehow they got my address when I moved. And... Um, I just kind of whip that out every once in a while, read it and laugh. <laughs> like they put in it, like you should show up for a hearing on this day and time at this address. If you don't attend, we can, um, um, you know, c- conclude like whether you're guilty or not. Like, like if you're not there, um, honestly, I have no idea what came of that. I don't know if I got disfellowshipped formally or not. Oh, no one's yeah, ever told yeah, me. Yeah. I just kind of assumed someone in my family would, would have told me if I did. Okay. Um, like it would have gotten back to me in one yeah. way or another, but it hasn't. So yeah. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain, like in the Amish, there's certain rules then, like once you're uh, just excommunicated, then you can't, like, if you're an Amish person who's baptized into the Amish, you can't like drive with an excommunicated person. You can't hand them oh, money. Yeah. There's certain things like that. Is there any rules like that? No, just you're allowed to actually still like conduct business and like like if you're an employee or an employer, like those relationships are allowed to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, they've honestly like in the last couple of years, they've actually relaxed some of it, um, which is great, but. Also, I think they were just losing members so that then they're now like, well, we got to do something to keep people around. Yeah. But um, it just like, they're really like, if you see someone in public, you're supposed to just not acknowledge them, say hi, anything like that. Obviously, you won't get invited to anything ever. Yeah. Um, so the relationship is just cut at that point. Um, yeah. My family speaks to me but it's mostly just business because i'm actually employed by my dad (laughs) (laughs) so with that relationship's been strained ever since but we only ever talk when it comes to the business interesting that's very little too yeah so that's so interesting that it's okay to talk 
business but not personal <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i guess it's it's kind of like similar in the amish like business things they they're allowed to use more modern technology when it comes to business and uh-huh. things like that but yeah. in, in personal life you got to be yeah you leave that phone know. at home yeah yeah it's interesting yeah so so with like let's say let's say you do leave like on your own as an amish person like is it very similar to like what you're you experience like like do you think like you would have a hard time providing for yourself because like your jobs most likely i would imagine like within that community like your employment yes, your, um, your roof over your head everything so like how there's would someone leave if they wanted to there's a there's a, lo- a big community of like ex amish in Lancaster also so like okay. and like construction it, construction and farming are like the biggest things for Amish. So there's usually, also a lot of there's also a lot of other jobs they do, but so usually if you leave the Amish, you can still do construction pretty quick in some somewhere some and even like even if if you're young enough to where you leave the Amish before you're bat, before you're like part of the community yeah. baptized into it, then then you can do whatever you can work for any Amish people. They'll still hire you, but if you're in the bond then they won't but there's plenty of construction companies that are not amish owned that will still hire you so they're usually fine with jobs but it, it's still it's still that community thing where it's like you have your friends your family and everything and then it depends on the amish there's not as much shunning anymore like most people are still pretty chill but there's still some of that where you're supposed to shun if they if you leave you're supposed to be shunned and not talk to your family mm-hmm. and then you just got to figure it out but yeah i'm sure it would be difficult as a s- single male just leaving everything and figuring it out on your own yeah well think about it if you're a female yeah even that like even more difficult that probably is even more of a struggle yeah yeah you don't see that happening as much for sure and the amish is like just a female young female leaving it definitely happens but it's more yeah guys or like groups, or like couples, you know. But it seems like you said the ex Amish community are they are they um, supportive in like if you find like if you re- you can reach out to them, kind of get like a, a foundation there, or get established, or get some help. Like, do people kind of circle back and sort of help people kind of get on? Yeah, their feet? there's there's a lot of a lot of like places that a lot of ex Amish people that want other people also, you know, that want to help also other. So it's like yeah. it's like this weird thing where in Lancaster, like once you leave the Amish, most people are still kind of Amish. They're just kind of like halfway. They still have kind of the similar friends, still do construction. So they're like not Amish, but they still never really leave that whole lifestyle. Well, there's a, I guess, belief system and then lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, that's kind of what yeah. you got used to. Right. So it's so just, just like kind of stay similar, in that routine, but you kind of but leave it a little bit. Yeah. You get a little bit more freedom, you know, but you still yeah. kind of stay. So that's that's like majority of what I, majority of Amish that leave kind of stay in that. But then there's still people who like, but it's it's like, I don't see too many people like, just like me and my brother where we just, yeah. like I haven't been, I haven't, and it was nice for me too, because I left when I was 11. So I was away from any yeah. kind of Amish for a long time. So I kind of was able to deprogram myself and yeah. still get the benefits from growing up that way and then still yeah. see how the real world 
real world works. So it's been nice. I I I like. Uh, I'm happy with the, how my life turned out. I think it was a good way to grow up. Yeah, unique. What puts a yeah, unique perspective, perspective on everything. And, yeah, I think that just that experience in general just broadens your like yeah awareness of how things can be yeah and anywhere. I just you know there's yeah it just does gives you a different angle to look at everything absolutely um. Well, I was just kind of saying that though, because I, I kind of wonder, like, like I wish there was more, like, established help for people that want to leave or like too afraid to. Yeah, I like, feel I, that. I, 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 like, it wouldn't even really take all that much, but like, I wish there was like a foundation for that. Yeah. Um, some sort of outreach type thing, and yeah, you go knocking on Jehovah's Witnesses' doors instead of the other way around. You'd be like, knock, knock. Yeah, that'd be today. That'd we be would bold. Like, today we'd like to talk about how you can leave this cult <laughs> you're in, sir. Would you like help? I know you're lost. I know you're struggling. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny you just dropped the c word. Um, <laughs> I I, I don't think know if that's I don't I, know if that's true or not. But I know I, I, that's it how is. I feel about I feel it that's is. That's how I feel it, about the Amish. It took me a while to admit that, even after I left. Yeah. That. It's a cult. I mean, if you can't leave it, if like you're afraid to leave it because of consequences, yeah, it's a cult. <laughs> it's a control group. Um, but yeah, it's just it, do the program. Like, I didn't agree with certain things that were significant enough to make me go, okay, enough. I'm gonna go figure out my own thing for now. Mm. I'm gonna take a break. And then it took me like at least a year to admit it was a cult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I still believed Armageddon was going to come someday. Yeah. And that you'd be judged and whether yeah. or not you'd make it through. Yeah. I still, that took me a while. It took to, me a while to, took me a while to break away from that. Yeah. yeah. And I would say solid two years before, probably three years before I felt I researched and heard and, and saw enough of everything else to kind of come up with what my belief system is. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just kind of relaxed. I was like, all yeah. right, I'm done. Like, now like, I can just chill and just live in peace. And I was not just that, not just like reality, like when it came to spirituality and what my beliefs are, but even like politics and stuff, you were, you were supposed to be politically neutral. You didn't know any, I didn't even know the difference between a Republican and a Democrat yeah, really. and what they believed in. And like, you know, now I kind of understand all of that, but it took, yeah. it was like a couple of years of just like constant reading and listening to podcasts and yeah, yeah. asking questions and like, I feel that absorbing there's it so all. much to catch up on. Caught, yeah. That's so, a beautiful so thing much to about, catch up on. The world thing scene. About the internet. <laughs> yeah. Catch up on everything on there pretty quickly. And, and yeah, now, now it's just, I guess I've entered into that stage of trying to just do what I am passionate about to yeah. its, to the fullest. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like, yeah, I do feel like there's a bigger picture going on that I'm also starting to get curious about. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else before we wrap up like that you wanted to specifically bring up or anything you want to promote besides what we already did in the front? Um, no, not really. I'm really yeah. glad we, I wanted to talk about SRCC a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got... Yeah, the the music the the art the community it's all such a big big component of why i yeah, do everything yeah. that i do yeah um yeah we've been going hard at this for like two years and yeah. we're starting to get some really good traction so yeah just i'm excited to see what other types of events come out of this plate space and um 
what other type of people want to collab with us, um, what other connections can be made. Yeah, Li- literally, bands have formed from the open mics. And yeah, like meeting each it's other. It's amazing there to see what already. happens when people just come yeah. in there and start jamming up. It's great. Um, so I'm just really excited for all that level of growth yeah. and stuff, and just yeah, I'll just say it again. Like we're looking for people to help, um, help out, do events, um, throw concerts, event yeah. organize, help yep. help me find yep. bands that want to play. All that. Um. People who you know, like music and just want to come out and party. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, we just really want this space to work for the community and yeah. to just, I mean, I hate that finances are such a thing that is necessary Something, for this all to work, but yeah. yeah, we need, we just need people, donations or come to our shows, support yep. by being there. Yep. You know, we, we don't charge a lot at the door for, yeah. for what we offer, at least exactly. what I think. Yeah. yeah. So. Just, Go through the early stages of the struggles, and then you fucking get through, and it's going to be great, glorious. Yeah, yeah, I believe in it, and I love it. I'm excited about it. Um, one thing that's coming soon is we want to start shifting into the art sector that we have the the studio having events and galleries where local artists can hang their things, display them. Um, it'll be cool because we're also a music venue, so we can like throw live music alongside an art gallery um and the one of the perks of being a member um in our art department is any piece you ever sell through the srcc and its related events whether it's on display 24 7 and someone buys it at an open mic or at an event zero percent commission we don't take anything from it oh yeah um and then it's a very it's low all about commission the around for, here yeah but then any anyone else that's a non-member that's invited to a, a display at a gallery or such, um, we have a very very low commission. It's like less than half of what a lot of other galleries take. Very nice. So, hell yeah. Um, so that's Side starting to come down the road too, yeah. and um, just more concerts. Yeah, absolutely exciting stuff. Yeah, look for us to do more shit there. It'll be great. But yeah. I appreciate you coming on. This is a good conversation. I, Thanks for having me, man. It was fun learning a bit about Jehovah's Witnesses and some of the similarities. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah, we should start a, a Jehovah's Witness protection program. Yeah. <laughs> help and them. Amish. Yeah, go <laughs> knock door to door, help Jehovah's Witnesses leave. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good stuff. See you guys next week. Leave a like and a comment, and uh, thank you for watching. <laughs>